morning. My name is Rebecca, and I am blessed to be a part of this church, so good morning. Welcome, welcome. Well, I, you know, thoughts that I had uh, this morning were, you know, we're learning about the Holy Spirit, and, you know, when I was younger, learning about the Holy Spirit, I just thought, oh, those sound really cool, like gifts of the Holy Spirit, right, and what he does. And honestly, I didn't think much beyond that, meaning, well, that's a cool way that God shows his power. And when Pastor John has been sharing, just the, I think what's been revealed to me is God using it as a way for him to show his love, which that is so cool. And it, it reminded me of something someone had shared me as like a morning reminder that they would have. And it was, good morning, Holy Spirit. What shall we do today? We shall lift the love of Jesus and show the lost the way. Amen, right? Like, here we have the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which, praise the Lord, we get to see the evidence of that. But how amazing is that for somebody who doesn't know his love yet, that both it reveals his power and how much he loves them, right? You know, you're talking about the God of the universe that reveals himself in a way where he touches their life, right? He makes it very apparent that they are seen and they are loved. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's kind of like that it gets people's attention, right? Because it's something that is impossible with man, right? But it is possible with God. So that's so awesome. So uh, church, stand up with me today. We're going to pray and we are going to worship this Heavenly Father who had such good plans and does have such good plans for us. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you that we get to come here today. We get to lift up your name, Jesus. We get to... Thank you, Father. Come into your presence, Father. We get to worship you, Father. Worship you. Worship you, Father. Because you are so worthy. Thank you, Father. Thank you for how much you love and the way that you show that love. Amen. Well, someone say hallelujah. Amen. He is worthy of it all. And we'll always be worthy of it all. Forever and ever. A million years from now, he will really be worthy of it all. That's something to get excited about. Amen. Hey, we want to greet you this morning. Welcome you to River Valley uh, Christian Church. If this is your first time here with us as a visitor this morning, just want you to stick a hand up. We want to acknowledge you. Any right here, right here. Anyone else? Anyone else? Give them a big round of applause. We're thankful that you're here today. Amen. Now turn around and find four or five people and greet them and tell them they look marvelous. All right. Well, consider yourself officially greeted. You guys are great about that. Amen. This morning, um, we're going to... Um, this is an opportunity for anyone who really who wants to be baptized, water baptized. This is a wonderful opportunity this morning. 
You know, I, w- I was thinking about this in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3. We have John the Baptist here, and Jesus is coming to him, and Jesus is going to be uh, baptized. And I think it's interesting that Jesus sets the example for us to follow. You know, when you make a decision to be water baptized, you're following the example that's laid out in the Word of God. And and here in Mark's Gospel, or Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 11, it says, I indeed baptize you with water, or John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water into repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Amen. Amen. And that's the next step after water baptism. And there's more than one baptism that's mentioned in the word of God. And then he goes on to say his window fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said unto him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. And think about this. John the Baptist had an opportunity to baptize Jesus. Very cool thing. Verse 16. And when he had... And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending upon him like a dove and lighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. You know, it's good to be water baptized. It's good to be in the family of God. And, you know... In the New Testament, in the New Testament church, water baptism does not save you. Sometimes people will get uh, confused about that. But what is water baptism, Pastor Mel? What is water baptism? It's a public confession that you have made a decision to follow Jesus and you have made him Lord of your life. It's a public confession that God has done something in my heart. He has touched my heart. And I have received forgiveness from the Lord Jesus. And that's what water baptism is. And that's what we're going to do today. This water baptism service is open to anyone. If you're here today and you've never done that and you've made Jesus Lord of your life, this is an opportunity for you to do it. Even if you hadn't planned, we'll baptize you today. But we do have, I know, at least one candidate over here. Jalen, are you ready to go over there? He's ready to go. Is there anyone else that would like to? Anyone else? We've got extra towels. (laughs) 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 Yes. All right. Jared, come on. Come on over here, Jalen. Uh, my name is Jalen Roden, and I'm going to get baptized today. Ready to go? Take your glasses off.
right. Have you made Jesus Lord of your life? Yes, I have. All right. Anything else you want to say to the people? No. <laughs> Go ahead and sit down. by the authority of Jesus Christ I baptize you in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit again. Amen. Well, and this is open to anyone else. The water's free. <laughs> anyone else? All right. We'll turn this over to Brian Eager. Amen. How cool is that, huh? Always touched when someone gets baptized and declares their faith publicly. Like, like Pastor John Moe said, you know, it doesn't save us, but it, it's the first act of obedience that, that brings us into fellowship with other believers, and it tells the world something special. Amen? All right. I'm a little choked up here, but we'll get through this. Um, if you uh, are interested and you saw what happened and and something um, spoke to you, there's another baptism service coming up. It's going to be September 12th, so that's uh, three weeks from now. If you're interested in what we we believe about baptism, you can go online to rvcc.info. You can look at the bulletin, and there's a link to a teaching that Pastor John did a number of years ago that fully covers what we believe baptism, water baptism entails. And like Pastor John Moe said, there are other baptisms, and we'll get to some of those as well. But uh, three weeks from today, September 12th. Uh, so today, uh, just for the offering, I just have a few um, verses, and they're familiar ones. They're, they're my favorite go-to, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 10, which... I don't have any more. They disappeared. So I'll read them off the screen. So as I put this, I say, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Man, if you've been around here for for any length of time, you've heard me speak on this a number of times, so I'm just going to kind of keep it short, but to remind us that some of these words in this passage have a lot of meaning. You know, we understand what sparingly means, right? It means that uh, Oxford says, 
It's a restricted or infrequent manner. Okay, we, we all know what it's like to try and hold on. Bountifully is the opposite of that. It's large in quantity or abundant, right? We all like to have abundance. But it's as we purpose in our heart how to give. We, we should be purposeful in our giving. God gives us what we have. Everything that's good comes from God. But as we distribute it, that's when we receive it back. All grace abounds towards us, right? What is grace? Unmerited favor, right? Grace is always there, but it's not automatic. It's not automatically applied to our lives until we receive it by faith. That's every grace that's available. We must receive it by faith. And the nature of grace is increase in prosperity. Amen? That's what, that's what grace is for. It's to, for our increase. We receive it again by faith, but it's not just for us. It's for us then to distribute to other people as well. Always having all sufficiency. You know, that's, that's an adequate amount for ourselves and for others. You know, God did not create us to live in poverty. The enemy wants us to live in poverty. That's why he comes to kill, steal, and destroy, amen? But God's plan is for us to live in abundance, not just so that we can gather it and hold on to it, it's so that we can support other people as well, right? In all things. Well, that's pretty encompassing, isn't it? There's a lot of alls, there's a lot of always here, but that we have abundance for every good work. The situation in which there's more than enough, more than enough for us and for others, amen? So he who supplies seed to the sower, right? God is our supply. God is our supply of everything good, and his supply is everlasting. Why would we believe in a God who is limited in his supply? The supply is there, the grace is there, we receive it by faith. He will supply and multiply the seed we have sown. All right, he gives us a supply, he gives us a seed, but the seed doesn't produce anything until it leaves our hands. Right? It has to be planted somewhere, it has to be distributed, like with the loaves and the fishes. The miracle didn't happen until the loaves and the fishes left the disciples' hands, until they distributed it. That's when it became a miracle. We give our seed, right? We don't give, we, we don't give our bread. Our bread is what we need to eat, right? But the seed, as our seed increases, we give of that. So God is faithful. His grace and his provision are there. We just need to participate uh, to manifest it in our lives. Amen? Amen. I did forget one announcement. Uh, the uh, training, RBCC training, is going to start on Thursday, September 30th. So there are sign-up sheets in the, in the foyer. Um, if you have any questions about that, you can t- contact the church office or you can talk with Gene uh, Lawrence. Amen. So thank you so much for your, your giving. We've, we're over and abundantly blessed. You can give online at rvcc.info. You can give at the church office from 9 to 3, Monday through Thursday. You can mail it in, 5900 Lake Elmo Avenue, North, like Elmo 55042. Amen? Amen. Father God, we thank you that you are our source. You're the source of everything good in our lives. You provide everything that we need for life and godliness. 
Father, we thank you that you've given us over and above what we need, and you will continue to give us as we receive it by faith. Father, we ask your blessing on this offering. We ask your blessing on each giver and each gift. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, everyone. Praise God. Thank you, Pastor John, for the baptism this morning. That was awesome. Jalen, very cool. Very cool. Turn with me to John chapter 16. We have been talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's been uh, three main things. I mean, I, I don't uh, peruse uh, uh, Christian TV or Christian literature and saying, well, what's everybody else talking about? Let's, let's talk about that. It, but it, what's interesting is, is when you do peruse Christian TV, Christian uh, literature, things like that, there are uh, themes that, that seem to be popping up all over the country. And there's three main themes that I've been hearing from, from everything from Florida to, to California and beyond, and we've been speaking about here. One is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, hearing the voice of God, which we actually spoke about all spring and into the early summer, and then also the, the fruit of the Spirit, being walking with the fruit of the Spirit. So it must be something that God wants His church to know about right now are, is how to move in the Spirit. Why would He want that? Why is that so important? Well, bottom line, because we're going to need it. We're going to need to be able to walk in power. We're going to need to be able to hear the voice of God. We're going to need to be able to minister by the Spirit because this world, I don't know if you noticed or not, is a little crazy. It's a little nuts. A little wild. And it's, it's getting to the point where we literally have to hear the voice of God to know what to do today. What to do uh, moving forward. How to do, and then you know how to do it is, is also gifts of the Holy Spirit. So John chapter 16, begin with verse 13. We read this every time I seem, you know, every time we teach on this, because it's a good foundational verse. It's uh, the Last Supper. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. It's the last uh, last time he he tells them, here's guys, here's what's going to happen before uh, his death. Now he talked to him, taught him afterwards, but this is the last time just before his death. John chapter 16, beginning with verse 13, says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that He will take what is mine and declare it to you. When Jesus was on the earth, He says, I don't say anything that I don't hear my Father saying. So the Father has something He needs the the people of earth to hear. And He needed to have the people of earth uh, know the plan of salvation, to know that God loved them. And it wasn't just for the Jews. You know, it's, it's for all the world. And Jesus took from what the Father said and spoke it to his disciples, to the people around him, the, 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 you know, the, the 120, the 500, the thousands. He, he spoke for three years and said, here's what God's saying to you. And then he had to go to the cross, die on the cross. And then at that point, he's saying, okay, guys, now it's your turn. Now it's our turn. 
Now it's, it's the 12, the 120, the 5,000. Now you guys are going to go. And this is how it's going to work. The Holy Spirit's going to tell you stuff. And when the Spirit tells you stuff, you need to tell other people. You need to show it. <laughs> you know, that's the problem. That's the problem with being watching on TV. All of a sudden, the pastor just starts giggling, and you think, what was that? Well, somebody's pocket was talking to him. Just so you know, somebody's phone. Turn your phones off, all right? All right. I mean, in Christian love. I mean, I love you, you know. <laughs> Please turn your phones off. No, okay. All right. Turn over to 1 Corinthians 12, beginning with the first one. 1 Corinthians 12, beginning with verse 1 says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Verse 4, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Notice here real quick, we're not going to talk about the other two areas, but it's more than just the gifts. The Holy Spirit is empowering His body to do service. Now, what do I mean do service? You know, sweep the floor and, and uh, vacuum the, the, the podium? Well, maybe, but it really has more of a serving others. God's, God's Spirit is telling us, how, here's how I want you to serve people. Jesus, when He was in that same meal on, in John uh, 16, He serves His disciples by what? Washing their feet. He served them. Why? It was a symbol of, hey, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a below servanthood. That's what this is all about, is we need to serve. But don't serve in your own ability. Don't serve in your own power. Do it by the Spirit of God and watch what happens. Lives change. People, the world changes around you. So he says, there are, but to each, verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Turn to somebody and said, eat. Say, each. Your each. Say, your each. I know that's not good English, but you know, it sounds fun from up here. You know, your each. You're an each. You're, <laughs> turn to somebody and say, you're an each. Yeah, there you go. That works. I like that one. But it's for the common good. Then verse 8. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. Now, Utterance. We don't use that word in common everyday English today. Utterance means a, you speak something. You, you say something. You hear something. You, utterance. So what I'm doing is I'm uttering right now. And so it is, you're speaking. So it's a word. Another way to say that is a word of wisdom. A word of knowledge. According to the same Spirit. Verse 9. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles. To another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each, say each, I keep doing that on purpose. I'm doing this for a reason. Because everybody thinks, well, it's, it's the pastor. You know, everybody thinks it's the, well, it's the church staff. 
Everybody thinks, well, it's the, it's the, uh, the evangelist. It's the, it's, well, it's that really uh, spiritual guy that sits over here and amens the sermons all the time. You know, it's the, it's, no, it's each. Literally each. I mean, when I worked in a factory, I worked in a hot dog factory covered with meat. God would speak to me. He'd give me words of knowledge, words of wisdom, and, and he, cause he wanted to touch people's lives. It isn't about what you do for a living. It's about who's inside of you. When the Holy Spirit is inside of you, and we heard a lot about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is, is the, literally, the Bible says, if you ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit, He fills you with the Spirit, and when He does, you get power. When you receive power, you'll be my witnesses, like Jim said. You'll preach. You'll say stuff. You'll do stuff. You go, I don't know if I want to do that. Well, it's kind of like baptism. It's about obedience. Do it. If God leads you to do something, do it. You're going to be blessed. You'll be amazingly blessed. Watch what happens when the Spirit of God moves through you. But as we do this, but by receiving the Holy Spirit, you receive power. And we're talking about these gifts. The gifts, are, we just read them, but we're going to, we've broken them down into three different categories. Not, they're, they're not in order as they're say, they say it in the, the verses, but they're, they're, they're grouped in kind of what three different uh, uh, categories that different people have put, to, put them in categories. Uh, this, the book I'm using is The Holy Spirit and His Gifts by Kenneth E. Hagan. He says there, there are the three revelation gifts. I talked about the word of knowledge a couple of weeks ago. Pastor John Moe preached on the discerning of spirits last week. And now this week, I'm going to talk about the word of wisdom. Then also there's the, the three power gifts, spiritual gifts that do something. So this, the first three are spiritual gifts that reveal something. The next three are three uh, power gifts that do something, the gift of faith, the working of miracles, and the gifts of healing. And then there are the three utterance or speaking gifts, the inspirational gifts, spiritual gifts that say something, prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. So those three are the kind of the way they are, they're broken down as a way to, to think of them so that when you're, when you're, uh, 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 learning when you're studying you can break it down into a category that way today we're going to talk about the word of wisdom all right so one more time let me emphasize that as a church we desire spiritual gifts i love the way pastor john i told him too i said i love the way he closed it out uh the service last week as he was sharing about the, uh, the uh, discerning of spirits. Now, I'm not talking about the Packer joke he told at the end of the service. Just <laughs> I, that I want to apologize for. Just, you know, uh, as, a, as a, the, the, uh, the jokes told here are not always representative of the establishment, of the, uh, but neither are my jokes. So it's not anybody else's fault either. But what he said at the end was, you know, he started talking about food. Remember that? He started talking about baked potatoes and sour cream. And he ta started talking about prime rib. And he started talking about food. And he said, the more you talk about something, the more people desire it. That's why we're teaching this. That's why we're preaching. That's why we're taking 9, 10, 12, whatever, how many weeks it takes. Because it's not just something I just read it real quick and, and, and I talk about it one week and then move on to the next topic because the more we talk about it the more inside god is dealing with you on a regular basis and you start to desire it and that's what we need we need you each 
each of you to desire spiritual gifts. Well, which one? All of them. Each. <laughs> yeah, amen. All of them. Why? Now, the, the, you'll find out in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, you know, he says, you know, especially prophecy. Because you're thinking, well, prophecy, so I can foretell the future? No. You'll, we'll talk about prophecy. Pro- that prophecy is really preaching, talking, speaking to people. Every time you witness to somebody, every time you sit down and give your testimony, you're prophesying. I eagerly desire to be led by the Spirit to share your faith to share the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's prophecy. But in this, we're supposed to desire spiritual gifts. You mean, it's, you mean I'm supposed to go, Lord, I really want a word of knowledge. Yeah, you do. You're spo- we're supposed to say, hey, I want to I hear a word from the Lord that'll bless somebody, that'll help somebody. Why? Because you love people. I do all the time. I, I want to I help people. It's really fun to get a word of knowledge and, and be able to say something to somebody, hey, God just spoke to me and he wants to encourage you in this way. Or I don't even always say, God just said something. Sometimes, sometimes I just say, God wants me to encourage you. doesn't matter how I know. It's for his glory. It's for what he's doing. But we're supposed to desire these things, every one of us. Doesn't matter the age. Doesn't matter the sex. Doesn't matter the station in life. We're all supposed to desire this because when we do, it'll start building that, that, that desire, that faith, and that willingness to step out and do whatever he tells you to do. And then he's glorified through it. That's what this is all about. All right, so we talked about what the word of knowledge is. What's the word of knowledge? Somebody remember? Okay, we're going back to that one. Okay, um, no. Word of knowledge is a spiritual, a supernatural knowing about something in the mind of God. So God tells you something you don't know. It's supernatural. It's not because, oh, I remember back in third grade I heard this. Or, I heard somebody who told me somebody that something happened in your life. No, God tells me something that I wouldn't have any way to know any other way. I just wouldn't know. Wouldn't have any idea. But he'll tell me, and I go, huh, I wonder how I know that. Well, because the Spirit just told me that. Why? Now I start to have to ask the question, why would he tell me that? Why do I need to, why do I need to know that? You know, and I gave some examples. I, and I, I guess I'd nerve some people out when I said, well, sometimes God has told me when people were in sin. But he has. But he's never told me, not once, if I knew somebody was in sin. Well, what kind of sin are you talking about? I knew, I've known when two or three different situations were in, when an individual was having an affair with somebody else. God told me way before it became public. You're thinking, whoa, that's heavy. I know. Carrying that kind of understanding, my first question is always, God, what do I do? Not once, not once, not ever has he told me to confront them about their sin. Not once. What he's told me to do is to pray for them. Every time. Pray for them. Pray for them to see light. Pray for them to, to understand. Pray for them to know. Because this isn't about, God told me something. It's not what this is about. No, this is about, whoa, okay, mercy, mercy. God, give them mercy. Help them. Why? Because he needs people to pray for them. Can you pray for them in the Spirit and not know what it's about? Absolutely. But there are times when you need to know what's going on so you can pray in the, in the Spirit and in your understanding and be ready to help if you need to. All right? Word of knowledge. Discerning of spirits. 
being able to tell what's happening in the, in the spiritual realm. You know, does that mean you're going to see demons or, or angels? Well, maybe. You know, it's interesting as he, as, as he was sharing the, the different examples, uh, we had actually talked about it before, and I was going, wow, that, that happened to me too. I, you know, he said he smelled. Remember, he said that he, he could smell demonic activity. I, I, and I said, wow, that, I, that jarred a memory and reminded me there was a time I was driving one time, and every time I drove through a certain part of town, and it wasn't around here, it was in southern Minnesota, it smelled like death. I mean, it was, and I, and I asked some people, I said, do you smell that? And they're like, no, I don't smell anything. I'm like, what is that? It's death. Well, I said, Lord, what's going on? He says, pray, for about, pray about this situation. Because I could smell, in the Spirit, you know something supernaturally by the Spirit that you don't know any other way. You couldn't know that, but He reveals it to you. So the discerning of spirits. And today we're going to talk about the word of wisdom. All right. Some people call these the gift of wisdom or the gift of knowledge. It's not a gift of wisdom. It's not just knowing because you've experienced stuff, because you're, you're old you know, and you're gray and you've experienced a lot, that you have deep wisdom on how to live your life. No, this is a supernatural ability to know how to do something that you wouldn't know otherwise, that you wouldn't know what to do. All right, the spirit, the word of wisdom is a supernatural revelation by the Spirit of God concerning the, the divine purpose and plan in the mind and the will of God. The word of wisdom is the best gift because it is a revelation concerning the plans and the purposes in the mind of God. Not only does he tell you that some, you need to know something, he tells you what to do with it. That's powerful stuff. Knowing, God, what, is, what am I supposed to do? I mean, when you're praying, what, what, when, when God came to uh, Solomon and said, you can have anything in the world, anything, 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 anything in the world, what do you want? What did he ask for? Wisdom. Yeah, to, to judge his people, to lead his people, to be a blessing, Yeah. Yeah, to be to to be to benefit them, he wanted to have wisdom, supernatural wisdom. And they said he he had wisdom beyond anyone ever. You don't if you have wisdom beyond anyone ever, it's not natural. That's supernatural. And you can have, you have the ability to receive and to walk in that exact same kind of wisdom. Because you're so smart? No. Because you're so humble. And you walk in love. Because you're walking in love, because you care about people, He wants to help them, and He's looking for somebody to work through to help them. And so you're, I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm here for you, whatever you want to say. Really? Okay, well, here's, what, here's the answer. So, where do we see this? Where do we see this in the Old Testament? Go to Genesis. Genesis chapter 6. This isn't, this isn't a new gift. That isn't something that just happened last week. It's not even something that happened in the last 2,000 years. God's been doing this from the very beginning, way back. Genesis chapter 6, beginning with verse 11. It says, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. 
And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Now, one of the things you want to notice is that many times the gifts work together. That part right there is the word of knowledge. God told him ahead of time, I'm going to destroy the earth. Nobody else knew that. That wasn't written on a stone somewhere. It wasn't on a billboard. You know, the earth is, you know, the end is near. No, the Holy Spirit, God spoke to, to Noah and said, hey, tell you what, I'm going to let you in on a secret. I'm going to destroy the earth. That's the word of knowledge in action in the Old Testament. And then we get to verse 14. <clears throat> It says this, Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make the length of the ark. 300 cubits. It's with 50 cubits. It's height 30 cubits. He had the knowledge, the word of knowledge that God was going to destroy the earth. Now God gave him a word of wisdom, what to do with it, how to do it. He gave him a word of wisdom on how to build something he's never built before. We didn't need a big boat before. There was no rain. There wasn't a, you know, a big lake nearby. As far as I know, maybe there was. I don't know. But he built this gigantic boat. How did he know how to do it? You've all seen the meme, I'm sure, you know, on, on, on Facebook. It says, you know, professionals built the Titanic. You know, first-timers built the ark. You know, trust God, trust the wisdom of God. So, I mean, the, the, he had no idea how to do that. That is a word of wisdom. Now go over to 1 Kings. Here's another example. 1 Kings 17. This is one of the verses in the Bible reading this week. For those of you who are doing the Bible reading with us, we read through the Bible every two years, a little bit at a time. Some of the Old Testament, some of Psalms, some of the New Testament. <clears throat> we push that here. I make it one of the high priorities. It's one of the goals every, every quarter that you're reading the Bible every day. Read something. You don't have to read with us, but read, read the Bible. The more you're in the Word, the more you know Him. He's the Word. You do it. You do it. Don't worry. Don't wait for me. Don't wait for me to tell you everything, because I don't know everything. But you, he can tell you everything. He can tell you what he needs with you to know. But one of the ways he the way one of the ways you hear the voice of God is through the Bible. Exactly. I'm glad I taught that way back when. First Kings, this is what something we had this last week. First Kings 17, begin with verse 1. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe. <laughs> I love that line. I don't know. It makes me chuckle every time I hear. Tishbite of Tishbe, in Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. That is the word of knowledge. Right? God told him, it's not going to rain. You're going to say something, and it's not going to rain. When, it, when, you, when you read about it later in the Bible, it says that he was a man of earnest prayer. He prayed earnestly and God did what he said to do. Well, what did he say? What, what, how did he pray? It's not going to rain. That's how, that was the whole prayer. Just going to tell you, it's not going to rain. Not going to rain for the next, till I say it's going to rain. That was the word of knowledge. It works in conjunction with the word of wisdom, verse 2, and the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah, Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, 
which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook of Cherith, that is the east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. God gave him a word of knowledge. It's not going to rain. It's not going to get, it's going to get bad. It's going to get really bad. It's not going to rain. But here's what I want you to do about it. Here's what I want you to do about it. God gave him wisdom, supernatural wisdom, above and beyond his own ability. How did he know? How did Elijah know that if he went down to a certain brook, he waited there, that ravens would bring him roadkill? How did he know? Let it sink in. It'll get there. Brought him meat. Where did he bring him meat from? I don't know. Where you know who knows? Did you you know when the when the raven brings you meat? You know you you're asking God to take care of your needs, and He brings you a piece of meat. Are you going to go? Where'd you get that? <laughs> really, really? You're going to ask me where I got this? You know, it might have came right from the king's table. Wouldn't that just be hilarious? Wouldn't that just be awesome? The king goes, "Hey, who took my meat?" Eh, I don't know. Uh, that's all conjecture. Don't look it up. Don't, not trying to, don't, don't try to cross-reference that. But that's the word of wisdom. Here, go down by the brook. This is what's going to happen. Food's going to come to you. You're going to be taken care of. And he did what? He did it. Because when God gives you a word of wisdom, he needs you to do it. Otherwise, it's just a word. Unless you do something with it, it's just knowledge that doesn't, you know. And because... God saved his life this way, this supernatural way. He was able to bless the, the whole, you know, whole nation of Israel for years to come because he followed God's plan. God will give you wisdom in the situation, as bad as it can get. It's not going to rain for three years. Here in, in this part of the world, if it doesn't rain for three years, we, you know, they just, you know, the, the wells usually still have a little bit of water in them. But you know what? I don't know if you know, but there's other situations going on in the world right now. You need supernatural wisdom on how to navigate it. Because it may not be the way you would think it was. It, may, it needs to be supernatural. Because the way you think it's the way to solve this may not be the way to solve it. You need the wisdom of God. I need the wisdom of God. The people of God. The world needs the wisdom of God. You know what's awesome is, you know, God is speaking to Elijah, but what is he doing? Elijah is talking to the king of Israel, who's a heathen, who, who's anti-God, who's anti the plan of God. But he's still talking to him. Why? Because God wants to help Ahab. If he had repent, that'd be awesome. He doesn't. Don't want to ruin the story for you, but he doesn't. But he, that's the word of wisdom in action. Then in verse 8, because in verse 7, it says that the brook dried up. Oh no, I thought God told me to come here. I thought God told me to come down to the brook Cherith and that I'd be able to drink down there and the ravens would bring food. And he says, you know, and all of a sudden the brook dries up. Whoa, did God not see that coming? Of course he did. Of course he did. He's not done speaking yet. Do you know that God may lead you to do something that all of a sudden dries up and doesn't work anymore? And you might think, wait a second, you know, God told me to come here, I'm not moving ever. No, well if he speaks again, you should be moving. Why? Because he has provision another way. He has something else. That's exactly what happens here to 
Elijah. Verse 8, the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. God had a plan. God always has a plan. No matter what you're going through right this second, no matter how bad it seems, no matter how bad it looks, no matter how it just seems like there is absolutely a dead end, He has a plan to solve this. And it's a plan to bless you. It's a plan to bless the people around you. It's a plan to bless the world. It's a plan to bless the people that are going to help you. It's a plan to bless the people that don't like you. Because God loves people. And He wants Himself revealed. So if you follow His plan, if you follow this Word, how do you, how do you know, how do you know that it's a Word of knowledge or a Word of wisdom from God? You have to know the voice of God. See why that was so important? Why we spent how many weeks, 11 weeks on hearing the voice of God? Because how, he, he speaks to us. And we have to know. And He speaks to all of us, to each. To each. And well, that's just you. I'll, I'll come and ask you. No, don't come and ask me. Because he, he may not tell me. And my opinion really doesn't matter. Right, sweetheart. Sorry. Acts chapter 8. That's the Old Testament. There's, you can go all the way through the Old Testament. All kinds of examples of the word of wisdom in the Old Testament. Here's in the, the word of wisdom in the New Testament. Acts chapter 8, begin with verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down to Jerusalem to Gaza. From Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch in court, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and was returning seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah, and the Spirit, and the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join his chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. God told, this was a pure word of wisdom. There was no word of knowledge first. Do you notice that? He just said, Go down here. Philip could have said, Why? Don't ask why, go. I told you to go. That's what I told you. I gave you a word of wisdom Go down to such and such and such of road at such and such a time. Be there. And when he did, all of a sudden he got another word of wisdom. Go over to that chariot. Now that happens. God doesn't tell you everything all at the same time. There are times. <laughs> yeah, amen. He says you can't handle the truth. You can't handle all of it at one time. Yeah, praise God he doesn't tell us everything at one time. Man, I can give you examples of that all day long. But praise God, if He tells you a little bit, do that and watch what happens. A little bit. He'll show you a little bit more. And you're thinking, wait a second, this just sounds like God, you know, hearing the voice of God and doing what He said. Well, but I thought the word of wisdom like this big, woo, crazy, wow. It, it really is because it's supernatural. But it's also every day for each. Do you know that you can raise your children by the word of wisdom? You know, raising one child in your family is different from raising a different child. 
If you try to just apply one form of child-raising tactics with one, the next one's going to go, really? I have one child, I won't say who it is, <laughs> that all you had to do was stop. Yes, Father, yes. So compliant, yes. Oh, I'm so sorry, please. I'm so, yeah, it just, oh, yes. The other one, stop. <laughs> God can lead you. Okay, this one you're going to need to do this. That one you're going to need to do that. You know, one of the things, my, I, I don't know, years ago, I, mean, I, I probably said this a few times, our son, our son wanted a, an Xbox. Was it an Xbox? What was it? PlayStation. Doesn't matter. It's a game. Whatever. <laughs> wanted a PlayStation, and I, I didn't want to give him a PlayStation. But he also wasn't reading. How old was he? Eight? He was eight. He wasn't reading. Didn't want to read. Had no desire to read. What do I need to read for? That's the kind of, he's the one, the one that was like, I want, a, I want a PlayStation. I don't want to give you a PlayStation. Daddy, I want a PlayStation. I want a PlayStation. I want a PlayStation. Fine, he just wears you down. Finally, I was just like, I'm thinking about it. What do I do? Lord, what do I do? He says, tell him you'll, you'll buy him a PlayStation if he reads the Bible every day for an hour for 30 days. 30 days. I mean, I wish I could tell you I was so smart to think this up, but I'm not that smart. He said, tell him you'll, if he reads the Bible every day for 30 days, for an hour, all by himself, not, don't remind him, tell him if he misses a day, it's got to start all over. It's got to start all over. And I thought, there's no way he's going to do this. I'll never have to buy the stupid PlayStation. This is easy. So I said, here's what I'm going to do. If you read the Bible every day for an hour, every day, and you don't miss a day, and you do it all on your own, because I'm not going to remind you. I'm actually kind of hoping you don't do it. You do that, I'll buy you a PlayStation. Wouldn't you know? Wouldn't you know? The kid, every day for 30 days, for an hour, did it on his own. One time I remember he's going to bed, and he goes, oh, I forgot to read today. And he's going to bed. Bedtime is bedtime, baby. You know, I mean, you're going to bed. I'm thinking, no, I'll give him grace. If you'd, if you, and he did. He laid there for an hour and read the Bible for a whole hour. And that kid didn't want to read. That's the amazing thing. Didn't want to read up until eight years old. Is now a voracious reader. Loves to read. And had a stupid PlayStation that I had to buy for him. <laughs> but that's, that's the wisdom of God. Knowing how to do that. How to, you know, how to uh, raise your children by the, you know, God, how do I do this? How, what do I do in this situation? How do I know? You know, how, how do I do this? He shows us. All right. I got completely off on that one. Where am I at? <laughs> step by step. God only shows you a little bit at a time. Go to Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27. This is the last set of verses, but it's just good to have it from the Word. Amen? It's not my own plan. It's not my own idea. This is what God has done in the past and is doing today. Acts chapter 27, beginning with verse 9. This is the story of Paul. He's being taken to Rome to be on trial. He's uh, locked up in the bottom of a ship, and they're, sh they're sailing towards Rome, and they, they took too long, and now it's getting dangerous. So ver ver or chapter 
27 verse 9 says, Since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over, Paul advised them saying, Sirs, I perceive, notice that word, I perceive, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of this cargo or of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. I perceive. Do you know sometimes the word of knowledge, because that's the word of knowledge in action right there. God tells you something ahead of time. You're going, is that God or is that my thoughts? Well, sometimes it's I perceive. I know something. I don't know how I know it. Because right now the sun is shining. The waves are, are, you know, the wind is gently blowing and the, the waves aren't, you know, it's, just, it's, it's calm. But I perceive, I know something. God told him ahead of time, you guys, you know, buckle up there, Paul. It's going to get rough. He perceives. So how does he know enough to say it to the, to the guy? Because he knows the voice of God. He knows the voice of the Holy Ghost. And he's going, oh, that's the Holy Ghost. Ooh, okay. Guys, I want to let you know what's about to happen is your fault. You shouldn't have gone. I perceive it's bad. It's, we're going to have a, it's going to get rough. That's the word of knowledge in action. And then in verse 20, we hear the rest of the story. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. They're at the end. This is bad. They're all, and as far as he knows, as far as, as anybody knows, it's going to be at the great loss of the cargo, the ship, and our lives. So as far as he knows, unless he gets another word from God, this is it. It's all abandoned. Verse 21, Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me. <laughs> you know, it's okay every once in a while, you know, when God, God's you, to go, Hey, guys, you should have listened to me. Yeah, I told you so. Yeah, it's okay. All right, it's in the Bible. <laughs> and not set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Verse 22, Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. That's cool. Why did he grant all those who sail with him? Because he asked for all those who sail with him. That's why we need to pray for people. God, don't give them another chance. Help them, help them, help them. God, why did you give them another chance? Because you asked me to. Paul was praying for them. Lord, I know I'm going to probably make it, but help them. I don't want them to be lost. And he says, I've, he, that he says he was told that he has been granted all those who sail with them. So take heart, verse 25, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly I have, as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. Verse 30, as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. 
He, God gave him a word of wisdom. Don't let anybody leave this ship prematurely. Because if anybody does, the deal's off. We're not, gonna, not everybody's going to be saved. If those sailors get off this ship right now, we're going to lose it. God told me ahead of time. So here's the deal. Everybody stays on this boat. By this point, because the soldiers recognize, oh, I think this guy knows some stuff, they're going, cut the ropes. Nobody's leaving this ship. And they start, and as the story goes, we know that they're all saved. The ship is lost, the cargo's lost, but they're all saved. Now, words of wisdom. Words of wisdom. Sometimes words of wisdom are conditional. There are examples in the Bible, many examples. I'm going to give you two real quick because we only have a very short amount of time left. Where God said, this is what's going to happen. He sent somebody, said, tell them this is what's going to happen. One of them was King Hezekiah. He sent the, sent the prophet to King Hezekiah and he says, tell him he's going to die. Get your affairs in order, you're going to die. And he left. That was it. That was the whole word that God gave the prophet. Hezekiah then turns to the wall and says, I'm so sorry. He repented. And as the man of God is walking away, the word of the Lord came to him a second time, a word of wisdom, and say, go back and tell him, you get 15 more years. Well, what about the first word? I thought God doesn't, you know, doesn't change his mind. Well, he's a, he's a just God, and he loves, he loves when people repent. The other one is the same thing. He tells Jonah, go to Nineveh, tell him I'm going to destroy the, the whole city. I'm going to destroy the city. You know, we know the story. It's not about that story. It's not about, well, I don't want to go. He didn't care if God destroyed the city. Destroy the city. No, but God loved the people. He loved the people. He needed somebody to go tell him. So he finally Jonah decides, that's a great idea. I don't want to go back in the fish. And we're going, we're going to Nineveh. He preaches. And what do they do? They repent. And what does God do? He relents. He doesn't. Sometimes words of wisdom are conditional. It's not like, well, you said he was going to die. You must be a false prophet. No. Sometimes it's the process. <laughs> but it's the word of wisdom. It's knowing what to do. Go to Nineveh. Go, don't let anybody off the ship. God gives you an idea, wisdom, on what to do supernaturally. All right. I'm only going to tell you one, one story. I was going to tell you a couple of them, but don't have time for them and tell you one story. It's not my story. It's somebody that I know. He's actually given the testimony here years ago. But there's a man, used to be a man in the church. He's now retired from the, from the company that he worked for. And he was, a, I don't know if he was a scientist, but he, was a, he, was a, he worked on projects for a large company. He was an engineer. God bless engineers. He was an engineer for a large company. And whenever there would be a problem in the factory that nobody could figure out, they said, call Tom. Call Tom. Why? Why do I call Tom? Because Tom will know the answer. How does Tom know the answer? We don't know, but call Tom. <laughs> Tom would come over. They would say, here's the problem. This machine's doing this, that, that, this product's doing that. We don't know what to do. Tom, go do your thing. Because knew, they knew what his thing was. He'd go back in one of the offices and he'd pray. He'd say, God, what do I do? What do I do? How do I how do we fix this? God would give him a word of knowledge on how to fix it, and then he would give him the wisdom on how to fix you know the, the actual steps to do it. He'd come back after the, after the Lord spoke to him and said, You just gonna need to do this, 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 and this, and they would they say, Do whatever he tells you to do. They would do those steps, and the machine would run perfectly. Why? Because God wants to help people. 
Why? Because he wants to prosper that business? Yeah, maybe. But he also wants people to recognize, huh, God speaks to that guy. There must be a God. And if somebody has a problem in their life, huh, where are they going to go? To Tom. Yeah, because obviously he hears the voice of God. We see that in the Old Testament where kings would go, man, we're in a tight spot here. This isn't working the way we thought. What are we supposed to do? Hey, there's a guy over in that city that hears from God. Wouldn't that be awesome? Will that not be awesome? It's going to be awesome. It is awesome that literally we have hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of Christians, one in every neighborhood, that when, when they know that you hear the voice of God and you know what to do in this situation, then they go, hey, go call Brian. If you're having trouble in your house, go call Brian. He'll know what to do. How does he know? I don't know. He just knows stuff. But Brian knows, and when he tells you the answer, and he goes, they go, how do you know that? Because God is good. And let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about who God is. He loves you. He cares about you. He has the answers. He not only has the answers about that problem, but everything that you're dealing with and in what to do. In today's day, you need to know what to do because the answer is not always easy, especially now. It's getting more and more uneasy all the time. How do we know that? How do we do that? We, we, we listen for the voice of God, and we do what He says. Amen? Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Father, we thank You so much for today. We thank You for everything. All the Word, all the, all the worship, all the, we thank You for the baptism. Lord, we thank You for your, your goodness, Your life flowing through each and every one of us. And I pray, Lord, this, this week, each one of us has an opportunity to minister to someone by your Spirit, to have the power to be a witness using the gifts. Thank you, Lord, we'll, that we'll be led, that we'll know, we'll know, we'll know, we'll know, we'll know that it's you, and we'll know what to do about it. In Jesus' name, amen.